Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Engrave, maker of the coldest hardware wallet, Zero and stainless steel backup graphene. Engrave brings you the highest security in a touchscreen experience to safely manage all your crypto offline. Enjoy a 10% Real Vision discount in engrave.io shop with the code REALVISION. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. What to expect? From earnings season. Welcome to Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, January 23, 2024. I'm Ash Bennington, joined today by Tony Greer, editor of The Morning Navigator and a contributor to our RV marketplace, I should say. So if you're a Real Vision member and want to see more of TG's research and trade ideas and who wouldn't, head over to Real Vision Marketplace right now to check that out. TG, Tony Greer, dude, it is so good to be back with you, man. I've missed it these really shows. Is. It really is, Slash. How you doing, my man? We're going to get down and get into it today. I can't wait. I'm doing great. Since it's been a while, since you and I have done this, catch me up. We got record-breaking uh, closes uh, on S&P 500 and, uh, and uh, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average. I mean, just it's been an extraordinary, like kind of like whipsaw whirlwind week. It has been, and it's, you know, it's going to continue to be, um, you know, fighting with it's hard to make money at the highs kind of thing, you know, Ash, and that's all the market is offering right now. You know, the S&P is just grinding away um, towards 5K, right? No, nothing wants to really give in or go down, despite the fact that the market is in, you know, perhaps overbought territory technically. I'll give you that. Perhaps sentiment is a little bit greedy. I'll give you that. Um Perhaps there are still too many people that are along the NASDAQ and CTAs that are in the market. That's also true. What's also true is that it could be a case of this overbought condition going on a lot longer than the bears can stay solvent. And it could be a case of all those CTAs and NASDAQ longs being absolutely correct. Right. So that's just something that we have to consider there because the market doesn't want to seem to back off and it's been given every chance. And what's interesting is about today uh, and the last couple of days is that the market's done that with rates retracing higher and with the dollar retracing higher into resistance, which has been a headwind for commodities. And the S&P is still sticking its chest out, you know, behind, you know, the strength of technology, semiconductors, NVIDIA, AI, that whole thing. And so today we're getting a little bit of a gut check where they're buying some of the weaker upside sectors. And I'm talking about the sectors that have been beat up. And if anything, long short guys are probably short things like solar and airlines and maybe industrial miners. And those stocks are rallying sharply today, um, you know, alongside consumer staples up between one and 3%. S&P is just gently making its way towards 5k. It seems like that's what's going on. If you ask me, Ash. Yeah, it sure looks like it's rolling up to that number. Tony, so much to unpack. There's so much good stuff to get into. Uh, let's start with something that you said early on uh, in that, 
where you were talking about what you see on a technical basis looking potentially overbought and some of the sentiment factors. What are you looking at there and what's it telling you specifically? Sure, Ash. You know, you go to the CNN fear and greed index, and that sucker was pinned to extreme greed while the S&P has been on this run, right? The AAII bulls index. We reached a peak of around 50, which means everybody in the ring is bullish, right? That has backed off to around 40, but still pretty elevated, right? We are getting, you know, readings from CTAs that are, you know, long S&P futures. We're getting readings that CTAs are long NASDAQ futures in enormous quantities. And so that's usually the recipe for a waterfall, right? That's when the market gets over its skis. And then we have one of those garden variety sell-offs where the S&P is negative three or four days in a row, maybe five. The bears have their chests out, pulls into, you know, moving average support. We get a couple of tick index extremes that are enormous that show some agnostic selling. We get the VIX into the 20s. And next thing you know, that's the end of the sell-off, right? But as I wrote sort of last week before the market cracked 48.50 to make a new high, it seems like one of two things is going to happen right now. Either the stock market is going to go up or it's going to back off just a little bit and then go up. So to me, it seems like one of those two pick your poison and that's what trade we're going to be in for a little while. Seems like it's just going to go up. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned those uh, conditions. I mean, look, it, it didn't sell off today. Obviously, it's a mixed day on the uh, U.S. equity indices. S&P 500 up about, uh, oh, call it three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up uh, just shy of half a percent. Dow Jones Industrial Average off about 100 points on the day, uh, down about a quarter of a percent. Uh, so mixed return here. Uh, but certainly not uh, anything that looks like a directional or sentiment change. No, man, it's just, you know, it's it's rotation at the highs. The market finds the weak points in every sector at some point, you know, and when the market's kind of on its heels, that's when they have the technology space into support and things like that and kind of commodities curling over. And when the market is sticking its chest out times like now, uh, it's got Nvidia going 600 bid that refuses to back off. The S and you know the Q's quietly pounding to a new high, and you know quite honestly, I think one of the issues is if you're long stocks right now, you don't really have that many reasons to hit the sell button other than you know the fact that the trade is definitely getting a little bit crowded. You know, so you can pick your spots where you can lighten up on this sector, lighten up on that sector. The reality is that the institutions are really still in buy mode, because if you recall, we just raised rates 500 basis points, and now it looks like we're going to lower them 500 basis points. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm saying that's what the market is telling me it looks like. So with that sea change, portfolio managers have to adjust, and then we set ourselves up you know, with the way I look at it, the way we rallied into the turn of the year after sort of having a rocky sort of New Year's Eve transition we're now set up for a performance chase because you're going to start to have stocks and NVIDIA and technology start to outperform everybody's 5% money market funds early in the year. And as we know, that's now like a $9 trillion gorilla. And I'm going to tell you that by the end of 2024, some of that money is going to find its way into the stock market. So that's what I'm expecting to happen, Ash. Yeah, talking about rates, I ran into a buddy of mine last night who's an economist uh, who said, that, boy, bond market really got ahead of itself here. This idea that a 100% chance that we're going to get a 100 basis point cut by March of next year. He was like, dude, they're, they're just way over their skis on this trade. 
it sure sounds like it, but I'm not here to argue with it because that's the sort of atmosphere environment that the market is responding to. You know, yeah. like the like the Bloomberg Commodities Index can't get off of its rear end. And why is that? The market is pricing in rate cuts. That is largely deflationary. And if we're looking at a deflationary scenario, all the portfolio managers that are a little bit too long commodities have got to make some sales now, right? It's okay to be long commodities when we're in that inflation atmosphere. We're expecting CPI blowouts. You know, that's that's the atmosphere to be long commodities in. That's like the sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Now we're looking the other way. What are we looking at? The market is looking at a tape where rates are going lower. Big tech, interest rate sensitive sectors of the market like home builders and retail and biotech, all of that stuff is rallying. So, you know, Ash, this is a kind of a tough recipe to fade, if you ask me. You know, if anything, we're, we're just definitely fulfilling that old floor adage where it's hard to make money at the highs. Either you came in long and you're smiling or you're looking around trying to figure out what to buy and it all looks too expensive. So it's a little bit difficult to, you know, it's really difficult to just pick and choose and kind of make money out of thin air and know exactly which is the next lane you're going to go in. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be the market's going to have to sort it out. But right now it's picking a different sector every day, every couple of hours and saying, hmm, let's see what the upside has to offer in this one. And that's where they're running them now. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tony, it's great to be able to get to do this catch-up. I just want to ask you about everything because uh, it's been a while since we've had one of these conversations. You mentioned commodities. I'm looking at a chart right now on my screen, WTI, uh, up nearly 6% on the year here, last 23 days uh, or thereabout. Uh, what's your take on what's happening in oil markets and energy more broadly? You know, I tell you, Ash, there's no, I don't have a, a dollar of energy risk on my pad right now, right? Neither in stocks nor the commodity um, it was fun to trade from the long side on that little kerfuffle last fall um, up to 95. Um, it was fun to give the money back on the way down. And I don't really see another reason to enter that trade right now, right? It's got like, you know, we're, we're hearing the rumor that the Biden administration is going to buy some SPR, you know, wherever they're going to do that. We're getting a really unclear picture, I feel like, from the Saudis. I feel like, you know, they want to keep the price bid, but they just had to lower prices to their Asian clients, which took the piss out of oil price right back to the lows again. And to me, there's sort of as much risk as a $10 bottom out just to see what's down there as there is a $10 short covering rally in case the market got too short at the bottom here. Neither of those trades are something I can I have an edge on or really care to participate in. I'll have my popcorn on and popcorn out, and I will be watching both of them carefully. Man, there's just nothing for me to pursue in the energy markets right now. Let me take that question from a slightly different direction. Where would you need to see clarity before you were comfortable taking a position one way or the other in the energy markets? I get excited 85 bid and I get excited 68 offered. 
And, you know, maybe it's 68 offered. We can slide to 50 and maybe 85 bid. There's another, you know, 15 bucks to 100 if the conditions are real. You know, maybe if a bomb goes off or something like that. I mean, I'm not really looking forward to trading through something like that. But that's kind of the condition that I think would have to happen now because commodity pr commodity markets are still pricing that sort of mid Middle East um, Houthi rebel risk at zero. Right. So they're they're right. writing about it in the newspaper. They're droning things. They're attacking um, shipping vessels because of the attacks in Gaza. None of it makes any political sense. That's what's going on. And the market is calling it a zero in terms of risk. Go figure. There seems like there's so much geopolitical risk that's just not being priced anywhere. I mean, you just can't find it. Not priced in the gold market, not priced in. You know what you could argue, Ash? And this is a great segue. You could argue that it, you know where I'm going. I'm coming right at you, man. You know, this is what to me, what it what has been sensitive to things like that is Bitcoin. Right. Now, this coincides perfectly with the ETF launch. In fact, it was like an unbelievable, unbelievably predictable setup where Bitcoin went berserk right into the ETF announcement. We reached a G uh, we reached a psychologically huge number at 50K. We got the sell the news event and right back into the moving averages. Now, my question for you, Ash, because you're the Bitcoin expert, not me. Is this the pullback into moving averages that we're going to buy? Or was that the perfect, as I illustrated in this chart here, was that the perfect 61.8% retracement, retracement of the sell-off from 70K to 17K capped with an ETF cherry on top, and now we go back down? Tell me what you think, sir. Well, I'll tell you two things that I've been thinking about. One, one was that I know that we had a lot of folks on who were really passionate about Bitcoin, who were extremely bullish uh, about the price in the short and intermediate term. And I literally was pounding the table uh, saying, guys, you don't know if this is going to be a sell the news kind of event. And sure enough, that's what we got. The other point that I would make uh, is that one of the big stories that folks out in the nerdosphere here who uh, love Bitcoin like me are talking about is the story uh, by Ian Allison that came out yesterday uh, talking about how there was a direct correlation between the declines from the this cycle peak in Bitcoin uh, and the billion dollar sell-off of grayscale GBTC by the FTX estate uh, that seems to be a, potentially a driver of this. Now, whether or not that's going to have a sentiment influence, whether or not that's going to have legs, I don't know. Uh, but that's one of the things that folks in the space are talking about. Totally fair. Totally fair. But how does it play out? Well, it's interesting. You you pointed out that Fibonacci retracement, and it is does seem to be something of a perfect match, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, you have to consider if you if you're open minded to both sides, you have to look at that being a potential scenario, right? I mean, I want to be bullish too. I think that Bitcoin has been trading amazingly since the Hamas attacks, since Sam Bankman Fried was found, you know, was was arrested at least. You know, back in what is it, November? Let's pull that chart up again because it's a great yeah. one. It's so long term, and you got it labeled, which is always nice. Yeah. So you know <clears> that <throat> um, Brent Donnelly was one that pointed out that the arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried relieved the Bitcoin market of this skeevy variable that everybody hated, and I and I picked up on that right alongside him, giving him full credit for making that call on the spot. But it was kind of like you know that's a real thing in markets. Right. That's a real thing. When there's an albatross around a market's neck and it throws it off, they trade differently. And that's what we saw. So that was really exciting. Then we had the Hamas attack in Israel, which was a horrible event. 
and Bitcoin woke up like it was the only asset to grab in that scenario. You know, oil oil went straight down on that event. You know, in the in the wake of that, uh, the stock market has been sort of rallying alongside it, but Bitcoin was up and gone, and sort of right into the ETF launch. And so you have to consider that layout that that was the top of the rally. And maybe this is a little bit dangerous to buy here into the moving averages. But if you ask me, Bitcoin is finding a place in the macro scheme this year more than ever after last year's recovery. The ETF is only going to draw more mom and pop capital and wealth manager and family office capital. So I can remain bullish. I just have to consider both sides at all times. Well, I think that's right. And that's broadly consistent with my view in the sort of intermediate to longer term. I think uh, I don't follow the technical factors as closely as you do, Tony, but no question about it. The idea that you can buy this in your brokerage account now, I know there are a lot of people out there uh, who are looking for exposure uh, to this asset class who've been heard about it, who've uh, you know understood the thesis, uh, who've heard about it in you know, a variety of places here on Real Vision and elsewhere, uh, who are like, if I could own this in my brokerage account, if I could call up my RIA and buy it, I would, uh, but they don't want to take on uh, the additional sort of aspect of uh, having a you know a custodial wallet or dealing with those things. So I, I think it's hard to see how this is not a net positive on the demand side for this asset class. You know, I could easily see it becoming something, you know, thought about similarly to gold, where you know you want to have the exposure on your balance sheet or you want to have the exposure on your pad and you kind of don't really want to use the physical, but you know it's the right thing to have on your pad. You know, and Bitcoin will be a lot easier to use than gold for sure. But to me, gold is like, you know, if I trade it, it's like I'll buy it. You know, you're long it, you own physical. You never really want to have to resort to the physical, but you have it on, right? The same way Bitcoin might right. be like, give this a chance for people to, you know, buy the security not really ever have the physical and just know that they have the position on. So hoping that they never have to go to the physical. So that's just a thought. Who knows, Ash? Yeah, and I, I would add to that, that someone who, who is obviously, you know, quite enthusiastic about this space. I, I see Bitcoin as something that is going to get progressively easier to custody yourself. There's going to be continued development of the software, hardware wallets, all of these solutions are going to make this uh, easier to use. And I expect if we're having this conversation in 2029 rather than 2024, it's going to be much easier to actually use in custody and transfer the physical asset. That along with the fact that we have continued development rapidly on the layer two side, uh, talking about the lightning network and all of those associated technologies are going to make it easier to you know, transfer money back and forth the way you would with, for example, Venmo. Uh, so I think that development uh, in the longer term is also uh, clearly something that seems like it's quite constructive for the asset class. By the way, I would add one more thing. Uh, if you're thinking about this in a longer term context. I did a conversation with Brian Estes. If you're a Real Vision Pro member, you should go check it out uh, because Brian put together some very compelling data uh, over the long term. Things like uh, sharp ratios, volatility changes with allocating say one, three, five percent of your portfolio over to Bitcoin, just to see what that would done retrospectively ex post. But I think it's worth checking out and worth looking at. Couldn't agree more, Ash. Couldn't agree more. Tony, do you do you own it directly? Do you fit? Have you physically gone and played around with this stuff? Yeah, I have um, an extremely shrewd member in my Slack channel that actually gifted me a physical wallet. And then we did a call one day and he showed me how to transfer some on there. So I do own actual physical Bitcoin. I have, you know, the Coinbase Pro account. It's not, you know, it's not a substantial amount of money compared to my trading account in any way, shape or form. I tell people I have, you know, blackjack money that's on 
um, cryptocurrency. And that's where I stand still. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I still, I'm very much eager to adopt. Um, I think it'll make a lot of worlds easier, you know, and especially in the financial world, et cetera. So I think that will be a great addition to, uh, to the sort of palette there. And I'm hoping that, you know, it stays as exciting a vehicle to trade, you know, as it is right now. And I think it's only going to get more exciting on the other side of these ETFs once we shake off this initial, you know, sell the fact event and things like that. So that's my well, idea. There's definitely been no shortage of excitement in Bitcoin over the last 10 years. That's for sure, man. It is. It does. It does read like an amazing movie someday, right? Yeah, it sure does. Tony, we got questions absolutely flooding in. Anything else you want to talk about before we switch over some of these questions from our viewers? We got some good ones. Um, no, I, I want to stay bullish the stock market here at the highs as easy it is to say, you know what, let's make a sale and cash out. But that that's like one of the strongest gut feelings that I'm getting so far this year early. So that's how I'm playing it. All right, then. First question comes to us from Roy Blanchard. WTI is now about the same price it was a year ago. What will it take to move that price seriously one way or the other? You know, you would think with continued record gasoline demand, you know, like we've been seeing that 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 it would have a problem sitting at these low levels, you know, given where some of the inventories are. It's just not happening. You know, I think one of the one of the variables is, you know, the U.S. pumping oddly enough during the Biden administration with a big push toward electronic vehicles. We are hitting record numbers of gas, uh, oil and gas pumping production every day. So we're, you know, north of 13 million barrels. It's satisfying the enormous demand that there is. And that might just be the reason why price get, can't get going on top of the fact, like we said, geopolitical risk is priced at a precise donut. So, man, I don't know what it takes. Your, your guess is as good as mine. You know, maybe inventories draw down organically and spreads go backwardated again, and maybe we get it on the run one more time. But if we don't get it on the run again, it's going to be here or lower for the time being. Torchan on Twitter asks, thoughts on GDX? This, I believe, is the Vanek Goldminers ETF. That it is, Ash, that it is. Um, you know, it's it's lagging like a dog, right? Gold miners, gold, the gold price is at, a, you know, close to a record high or call it, uh, you know, within a $100 bid offer of a record high. Um, gold miners are well off of their highs, sort of struggling to break through moving average resistance, which defines the middle of their range. So, you know, if you want to make a if you want to make a bet that gold miners can catch up with a stock rally, perhaps, and you know perform as well as gold, then maybe it's a good sector for me. I think it's more important to stay in the metal itself, since it, metal itself is proving to be the one that's you know going up, performing, carving new highs, you know, demand bid for by central banks, and has a pretty good story for this year too. It's another one of my core bullish. Um, positions for this year. So I'm bullish gold. I'm more bullish the metal than I am the stocks just because they're lagging and have been lagging. So I don't really know what turns them around unless somebody decides to make a drastic change in their gold miner allocation. So if the, in the absence of that, though, gold miners are kind of a neutral laggard to the precious metal itself. And I'd rather be in the metal if that's a fair answer to the question. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This one comes to us from the Macro Butler. Uh, Tony, what do you make of the rebound of WTI toward 75? We just talked about that. Meh. I make it meh. You know, it doesn't do anything technically. You know, it's off the lows, which is nice, probably because like there's probably a new slug of shorts right at the bottom. Um, so yeah, a rebound to 75 is nice. It doesn't do anything for me until it goes 85 bid. It's a long way away. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just not, I don't see a, I don't see an explosive trade in oil either way, right? I think there's buyers on the way down now because the market got short. I think there's probably sellers on the way up to get out of, you know, stale longs and, and get flat. And man, you know, with open interest, you know, in the hole where it is, it just doesn't seem like anybody's terribly interested in making a big bet either way in WTI, including yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, Steve Kronberg. Oh, this is a question for me. Ash, how many Bitcoin are trapped in the BlockFi bankruptcy? Great question, Steve. Don't know the exact answer. Don't know the number of Bitcoin, but I do know this. Public filings, November of 2022, when BlockFi filed $10 billion in assets and liabilities uh, based on the public filings. I think New York Times reported on it in November, if you want to go check that out. Don't know the exact number, but uh, based on the asset uh, and liability statements coming out of BlockFi, uh, you can bet it's pretty sizable. Uh, Kirk L., how are you positioned on metals versus miners XME? So sim similar question. I don't know if you have anything to add there. If not, we can move on. Sure. I just bought XME on my view matrix in my newsletter uh, down at 55, which is a resting bid that I left in the markets. Um, I felt that there would be a pullback there. I just technically speaking, it was a huge run. And all of a sudden, it looked like minor stocks were meme stocks for a couple of weeks while the Nippon for um, <clears throat> US Steel deal was on the tape. And that was really wild. Um, that turned out to be another sell the fact event in industrial miners. But I think the space is very much in play, especially, you know, I was uh, quite honestly, you know, with all the weakness in China and their tech market and stock market come apart, you had to get the feeling that Xi was going to do something at some point. And now we got the stimulus package, you know, the, the, today where that's usually what wakes up the mining sector. So that's why I wanted to buy the miners on the dip. I got very lucky and bought them, you know, into moving average support on a one touchdown and then they bounced. But I'm pretty positive on industrial miners this year. I like the China story. I think the general path of the dollar this year is down, which I'm kind of waiting to get that tailwind to, to kind of load up on miners. But I'm pretty positive miners, this uh, industrial miners this year as well, especially if China is going to be on their back trying to swim out of this hole with another tsunami of stimulus. It's going to be fun to watch the metals markets. Okay, the macro builder asks, Tony, do you think the U.S. 10-year yield has the potential to retrace to 5% and above in the next few months, 4.14 right now on U.S. 10-year yield? That's a great question. Um, my sense is... My sense is no, because I feel like the, ooh, sorry, I feel like the path of rates has changed, right? We were just in a desperate three-year bear market in bonds, and I'm not saying that's over. I'm saying the conditions are right for a bit of a retracement. And I'm, I don't know if we're going to have a huge year or anything like that, because I don't know if rates are going to fall too far. 
I just think that any whiff of inflation is going to be met very sharply by the Federal Reserve with either rhetoric or or something to the effect that they are going to, you know, keep a very close eye on it. Because my idea for yields this year is that they're sort of sideways to lower. They're not able to really go down very much because there's still a light inflation impulse in the markets. And they're not able to rally very much because our economy is not in good enough shape that we're growing GDP or employment sector like gangbusters. And, you know, rates need to come down. Excuse me. Rates need to go up to cool that off. So, you know, to me, we're sideways um, to lower in yields, which is, you know, sideways to higher in treasuries. And to me, that means a lot higher in stocks. Not to change the subject, but I have the S&P on the brain. Mm. Uh, Glenn Hammock wants to know, Tony, do you pay attention to Treasury QRA? I think that's the quarterly refunding uh, documents. It marked a turnaround on October 31. Might 131 be the next? I don't pay close attention to that. I, maybe I should pay more attention, which is fair, but I'm, I'm much more reliant on sort of price action and, and um, you know, performance and responses to headlines and things like that. That's just how I operate. I'm not a document reader. I loved your response, by the way, to the WTI question. It's like, don't, don't fight it, man. It's prices. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they just, sometimes it's just going to trade, man, you know? Yeah. J&J, LTD, LTD, does TG have a view on silver or SLV? That's the iShares uh, silver index, I believe. Yeah, man. You know, I've been put it this way. I'm I'm a terrible person to ask. I'm a little bit jaded in silver, right? I've been I've been watching the story for 30 years now. I've I've seen it from every angle possible. I've seen it from the floor. I've seen it from the London time zone. I've seen it from trading the silver book at Goldman Sachs. And my view is generally it is like one of the world's most efficient rich men's casino. And it tends to rinse the rich people and send them packing. And the rich people tend to buy into the bullish silver story and, you know, think that this thing should trade at a multiple of the price that it is trading on the screens and, and sometimes try some different tactics to get it there. And they wind up being disappointed in the end. And I tend to, I tell people, I'm kind of, I hope that I don't sound too repetitive or if you heard this already, I apologize. But the other th story that I hate about the silver market is that there's this recurring underlying story that, you know, there's a shortage of silver and JP Morgan doesn't have their silver in the vaults to cover all the receipts against it. And I generally just stay away from markets with Loch Ness monsters like that, right? That's like this big, crazy story that if it's true, then the price of silver should be $150 an ounce or something crazy like that, right? And if it's not true, then we're all wasting our time thinking about it and talking about it because it sounds like one of the conspiracy theories that not even I would go near. So- <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that, that market is just bad for me. I don't mean to poo-poo it if you're in it, and I wish you all the luck in the world. I'm bullish gold, if that helps. And I've seen gold go up and silver go down. You right. know, So it's like I don't want to be long gold and silver just to be long two commodities. If I'm just bullish gold, I just stay long gold and stay long the commodity, and that's it. So that's whether, whether that's a, a fun answer or a lousy answer, that's my answer to the silver question. You'll trade it when it hits the tape. If there's something that, you know, if, if if the chart looks unbelievably appealing, if there's an unbelievable move, if there's a longstanding trend, I will definitely be in and out for at least a cup of coffee. But, you know, until I see this thing trending like it hasn't done for 10 years, I'm not interested at all. Yeah. Uh, next to last question. I'm surprised it took us this long to get here. Doug McGurn, Tony, are you still long uranium? Thanks. 
I am. I am still long on the view matrix for my newsletter readers. I'm still long um, the commodity itself through the Sprott Physical Trust. Um, as I just recently said um, on another podcast, I said that I am a bullish seller of uranium ju just in sort of I don't know whether I would I, I would more likely lighten up on the uranium miners somewhere near the highs than the metal itself, because I feel like uranium has got a, a chance to rally even further. But when things go into a parabolic move, it's just a matter of time before their Icarus print. And it may be a lot higher from here, but my idea would still be to make a sale into, you know, a parabolic move, not my full position, but make sale. And I can still remain bullish with half my position on hoping that I get a pullback that I can buy because we're sort of getting confirmation that this market needs to resolve higher. Um, but it's not going to be a one way trip like anything else. You know, it, it, trees don't grow to the sky. You know, no tree has ever grown to the sky. No market has traded to the sky. Uranium is going to trade higher and it's going to trade down and it's going to shake people out. It's just like any other market. So I suggest that everybody treat it like one. Last question of the day from one of our regular viewers, Bo Nito. Boy, this is the critical question, Tony. This is what people tuned into here. Stupid question of the day. Tony, do you drive a Lincoln Navigator? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. But a lot of my buddies want me to get a uh, NAVGTR personalized plate for my Toyota Tundra, which is what I do drive and love. I've been driving a Toyota for like 30 years now, and I, I may never go back. Yeah, they're indestructible. Probably the best mechanical like underlying stuff of the industry right now. I feel Actual like I'm engine. driving a, a comfortably air-conditioned tank around all over the place. It's just phenomenal. Fantastic. Didn't they just do the redo the Sequoia this year too? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. They're redoing them all like one by one with like, like again, a lot of updated electronics and gear systems and everything. They're really, really cool. Tony, man, it's been so much fun getting to do this with you. I wish we could do this more often. It's a lot of fun uh, for me. And I think for the viewers, uh, final thoughts, key takeaways you'd like to leave us on. You know, Ash, I'm going to try to just, you know, I try to make a few high conviction calls a month for my for my clients. And, you know, nothing has shaken me off of the equity bull just yet. Um, you know, what's interesting is that the market has had a couple of chances to shake me off. It had an outside reversal potential. Um, there have been, a, you know, a couple of real, I guess, scares with like, you know, a potential waterfall happening. And I'm kind of ready to buy into that waterfall um, because I am bullish. But I still think that. Um, Everyone that's looking at this market's like an analog to 2000 or 2008 has it a little bit wrong. And maybe this isn't the point of the show to discuss it. But to me, this is a lot more of the 94 into 95, 96, 97 type of markets with all kinds of analogies that rhyme. So that's how I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm going to stay a raging bull until this one kicks me off because I think that last year the S&P went through a lot of adjusting and it came back and ended the year unchanged when everybody got their money back. And now going into this year, it feels like everybody's sitting at the craps table playing. So I, I got a feeling that we're going to have a really exciting year for stocks, and I'm not going to take my eye off of that ball. Tony Greer, absolute pleasure as always, man. Absolutely was, Ash. I hope we get to do it again in two weeks. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for joining us, dude. Peace, Ben. Before we go, RV is giving away free NFTs for all the new Real Vision members. The pre-mint is open now. The mint opens on January 25th and runs to February 1. 
To be eligible for the Mint, you have to open a freemium account. And on top of that, you get access to our new platform. So head over to realvision.com forward slash free RVNFT. That's realvision.com forward slash free RVNFT and sign up. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'll be back again, same time, same place tomorrow. See you then, everybody. Hey, everybody. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Engrave, maker of the coldest hardware wallet, Zero, and stainless steel backup graphene. Engrave brings you the highest security in a touchscreen experience to safely manage all your crypto offline. Enjoy a 10% Real Vision discount in engrave.io shop with the code RealVision.